Fulhamish is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. How are you? Slightly hungover. Yeah, a little bit as well. Um, We are on the train back from Southampton, so uh, you might hear some of the hustle and bustle. Or the announcement. Yeah, of a Southwestern Railway train, but it makes it all a little bit more real. So uh, welcome along to the podcast today and, well, lots to discuss after the 2-0 defeat last night. Uh, the future potentially of Claudio Ranieri. By the time this is uploaded, uh, things could have changed. But as things stand, uh, he, he hasn't gone. He's currently still the manager of Fulham Football Club. Um, there have been reports that he is going today. There have been lots of rumours going around that he's going today, but nothing really concrete. So that's where we stand at the moment. It's uh, it's just coming up to midday as we as we record this. Um, so we'll get into Southampton in just a second. Uh, just to say this season, Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes for exclusive specials and promotions. Head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. Uh, we might be on a train, Jack, but we should still do some uh, three-word reviews, shouldn't we? Okay, a couple here. Chris Waldock starting us off with We Nearly Scored, which was enjoyable. Nice. The Cruel Truth, Deets 24, Go, Now Go, Lars <laughs> Anderson, Suicide at St. Mary's. I'm assuming that St. Mary's has been rolled into one word there, so I'll give you it. <laughs> and Matt Pettit with Risk-Free Relegation. Well, yeah, uh, there's lots of uh, debate uh, about Claudio, about the club, and, and lots of people feeling very disenfranchised. We'll try and make uh, the best of it that we can in today's episode. So, Jack... It was a 2-0 defeat last night. Uh, Oriel Romeu and James Ward-Prowse got the goals in the first half. Um, let's start off with the lineup, though. K-Mac and Anguisa coming in for Seri and Sessegnon. I mean, has Claudio Ranieri fully lost the plot? The Trivot. Um, yeah, a bit. I, I think it was supposed to be a 4-4-2 diamond, a la Kit Simons. <laughs> uh, it didn't really come across like that. It came across with three holding midfielders you know Zambo did his best sort of box to box yeah and he was alright to be fair to him but like you know we had to win that game there was you know it was no point going out for a draw we had to we had to win and starting that lineup just made absolutely no sense in that kind of longer scheme of things because you know what were they supposed to do with it you know there's there's one there's one thing you know being defensively compact and solid it's another thing not being that and still not having any attacking impetus we've said so many times in this podcast and you know you look back at brighton where the players were just let off the leash and they just cracked on and, and got on with it and played attacking football and we were good and it's clear to kind of anyone that watches Fulham on a regular basis that we're at our best when we play attacking football and really Ranieri seems to be doing everything he can to stunt that and you know if it's this obvious to the layman standing in you know in the stands that Fulham are better going forward than they are going back and you know the best chance we've got winning games is four threes and three twos and it's not grinding out one nil results We, we haven't got the capacity to do that and Ranieri just doesn't seem to understand that and, and just refuses to kind of accept it, which is mad. Well, there was just no whiff to Fulham's play last no. night. And it honestly, it was it was crying out. And, and the rare chances that Fulham did get into the, the Southampton half, they would be passing it about and passing it about. And there was just no 
outlay on on either side and, and and at times it felt like Callum Chambers was doing his best to play on the wing which look Callum has proven to be a versatile player this season and, and, and has many qualities but maybe playing uh, right wing and hitting the byline isn't one of them yeah no not at all and and you you hark back to you know while Dennis Adoy has been a good servant to Fulham and, and has played in lots of different positions and I think is a, is a good squad player to have about and a good ambassador for the club in general. You know, the one thing about him playing right back is that he's not a natural going forward. You know, he doesn't hit the byline and he doesn't provide those crosses and, you know, say you want of Osiris Christie, but at least he moves forward in a four and, you know, we saw under Yukanovic that he is able to, you know, bomb on and, you know, while his film delivery is admittedly poor, at least he sort of adds some width going forward because he gallops up and down the wing. And whereas Adoy seems to always turn back and look for that inside pass and, you know, how much of that is due to Ranieri is, is questionable because we saw at Palace that both of our fullbacks seem to just turn around and go yeah. backwards a lot of the time, which is frustrating for, for most people. But, you know, whether that's been told to them or not, if, if you don't have wingers, you have to bomb on as fullbacks. And, you know, Joe Bryan did his best to get up and down a bit and, and put some deliveries into the box. But Adoy out there offers none of that. And it, it doesn't really make sense from a kind of tactical perspective to to lose the width and not have a fullback whose natural kind of ambition is to go forwards. I mean, one of the exclusions from the uh, from the team, Jack, was John McHale Serry. Now, he's been pretty much ever-present for the past few months, but he wasn't just left out the starting 11. He was left out the squad. And, yeah. and Ranieri, in his press conference, said that everyone's fit, which, which isn't true because, I mean, Marcus Bettinelli's just had surgery. But anyway, that's a different point. I mean, what is, what is happening here? He's, 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 he's losing control, isn't he? He's got to be. Well, yeah, it just doesn't really make any sense. I mean, there's reports that he picked up a knock in the West Ham game, but that doesn't add up with what Ranieri said. But then again, you know, Mawson didn't play, and you'd imagine if he was fit, he'd be playing. So, yeah. you know, everyone is available is, I think, maybe a stretch. Maybe he's saying that everyone is theoretically available, but, you know, some people it would be best if they didn't play for recovery purposes. I, yeah. I don't think that... It's more to do with the fact that he said that, I think, than the actual... Like, I just honestly, truly believe that Seri probably is a li- like, has a niggle and just decided to, you know, leave it out. And and then they just decided to be like, no, OK, let's not risk it. You know, let's leave him out. But it's just weird that Ranieri would come out and say that everyone's available before he doing that because it, it's just... Like, the whole thing's a bit bizarre. Like, why on earth would you be saying things like that that kind of excite you? go, all right, we're looking at that. And we're going, oh, okay, everyone's available. We'll see Mawson back then. Like, yeah. And he's not back. He's not ready yet. Like, and, and fine, that's not a problem. You know, let him recover. We've got work to do next year. Like, but it just doesn't really add up. And, and it's frustrating, I suppose, as a fan more than anything else. It, it seems almost churlish to be running through the game and looking at individual yeah. moments. But just want to touch on that first goal because there does seem to be a problem with corners from well our left hand side so we conceded two on Friday and we conceded another one yesterday and I don't think necessarily this one is is Rico's fault I thought the punch was actually not that bad a punch for once it could go for it could go further he could maybe get more on it but it's not it's not like he's flapped it back into danger like he did on on Friday night It's, it's gone out of the box and you know, it's on us also on us to get out to the player on the edge of the box and close him down. That's a defender's job. You know, it was it, so odd though. It's, it was just suddenly like there was an empty net. You just, I think it took a deflection. Well, it looked like it took a, a deflection. It's come through a crowd of bodies. You know, it, they're very difficult to save. If you can get those to squirm through a crowd of bodies, then it 
you know, it, it's very difficult for a keeper to see where that's going. But just just set piece defending, it, yeah, in it, general, it, yeah. it's just it's just gone to absolute pot, and you know our defending was already bad enough, but then to suddenly become so vulnerable from set pieces, it just it just exacerbates the problem. Yeah, of course, um, we know we have a defensive issue, and we you know we're all aware of that. But you know, Claudio was brought in to to shore that up. That hasn't happened. The defense hasn't been shored up. I mean, you know, sticking an extra man in there plugged the gap for a bit, but it obviously isn't a long term solution because Fulham aren't very good with five at the back. And yeah, ultimately we've we've looked at this and gone. He's looked at it and gone. How am I improving this defense? I'll just stick someone else in there and hope that works. And and you know, while, while we have conceded less goals per game under Ranieri, you know, at the expense of what? You know, we've we've lost kind of our attacking impetus. We've lost, you know, so much kind of belief in, in these players. And and the squad seems to be sort of falling apart at, at points at uh, the seams. And and that for me is maybe the most critical thing of all. Exactly. I mean, you didn't even see the second goal because you'd long gone for a beer, but yeah. but I did. And I mean, it was a fairly tame effort from from Nathan Redmond. I, I think Rico should be doing a little bit better to hit that back round the post. But then Joe Bryan again, and and Joe Bryan, I do think gets away with well escapes criticism for me. And yeah, because we all like him. I like him a lot. Well, that's the thing. He's he's very easy to like, isn't he? He he reads books and uh, he seems like a nice guy and he's funny on Instagram. But ultimately, he keeps getting be pals. Yeah, I reckon. I, yeah, I reckon I'd love to be mates with Joe Prime. But ultimately, he keeps making the same mistakes week in week out. I've never seen a man that gets along on the wrong side of an attacker so so he's much. So nearly in the right place all of the time. Yeah, he's like almost a hundred percent of the time. He's like very close to being in the right place yeah but he's just not and, and that's and kind is, of is that the level is that the level is, maybe is that it could diff- be is that I the mean, difference look, between the championship and the premier league he's still young he's learning like i, I think that with, with joe bryan he's a player that we need to give time and you know ultimately when we go back down here we are starting left back for another season and you know if we do come back up i think he'll have learned and adapted from this experience and and i think that we will the the best is yet to come from joe bryan as far as i'm concerned i think he's a a very good footballer and that he will become a very very useful premier league left back but he's just not there yet do you think he'll be gutted if bristol city went up and we went down i mean I'm sure he would be a bit sort of like that's annoying but he'd already had a year in the Premier League do you know what I mean it's, it's not like you know he was leaving anyway he was going to Villa yeah. so it's not like he was going to be staying at Bristol City either way and that means that you know someone like Jada Silva's gone in there at left back and done a really good job and, and fair play to him but you know, I think that Joe Bryan is a better left back than Jada Silva at this point uh, and I think that over time we will see the best of Joe Bryan it's just frustrating that right now those mistakes uh, it seems to be the same mistake over and over again and I completely agree with you he seems to escape criticism and I think you know because he is a nice bloke and everyone seems to like him and and he seems to be an affable character uh, you know that's good for him in the long run but ultimately we just got to give him the time and, and I'm okay with him kind of escaping criticism in many ways because if we can mold him into the player that I think he can become then we'll have a very very handy player on our hands I mean, second half, again, from from what we saw of it, I mean, there, there was just nothing to it, was there? There was, there was just absolutely... I mean, I think Anguissa maybe had a shot on target late in the game. We huffed and we puffed, but there's just... There's no impetus, is there? There's no creativity. Here comes uh, the announcement. But there is just nothing in this side that screams to you that actually Fulham have half a chance of trying to get back into the game. It's, it's alarming just how 
passive we are and how minutes just seem to go by. It was suddenly yesterday, 85 minutes. I was like, wow, where is... Where has this second half gone? What am I watching? For a side with such attacking riches, yeah. we somehow now lack the ability to create at all at points. And that is unbelievably frustrating to watch because you know that we're good. Like, you know that we're good at creating chances last year we, and, and at the start of this year. And things like Brighton show that we can create when we are able to dovetail when we're able to you know make things happen down the wings when we're able to to get the ball down and play it and we're seeing so little of that that it's unbelievably frustrating to watch i mean uh, credit to the fans last night i thought that actually it was a real good turnout for for a midweek the game. atmosphere was excellent um, oh, well, yeah it really really was really and positive in the full amount obviously that yeah, people are frustrated and and, and they but like in, on the whole everyone was jovial everyone was in a good mood we were like you know we're consigned to it, but it's it's you know it's it's going to have a laugh while we do it, and and you know, while there's a you know a bit of sack this Joker in the in the midst, it it was mostly just sort of like we're here now for the ride, we may as well see it out, and and that's what we will do. Well, it's just full on gallows humour now, isn't it? Yeah, of course. It, it, it's I think there were people that wrote Fulham off probably after Burnley, and fairly so in my book, but I thought that was a bit bit soon and I think there were still some people like myself looking at last night and thinking well if if you get three points against Southampton there is a chance yeah, it's a been small five point you'd have been five points off the edge of the drop zone I don't there cannot be and if there is someone that thinks Fulham have a chance of getting out of it like please make yourself known and please explain your theory because it seems to me 100% of Fulham fans 100% think we are in the championship next season it's 10 points 11 points with goal difference it's it's done it's 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 crazy how cut adrift we are and we are still not into March yeah of course we're you know it's over we're we're down let's let's face it and we've just got to you know ride out this season not let us get on top of each other you know keep you know, keep the spirits high as, as much as we can. You know, try and try and you know envisage these players that are going to be with us next season and give them the support they want in order to to push on. And I think that that's on the whole all we've got left now. We you know, like we say, you know, we're going to go down and if if not on the pitch, but in the stands, we'll go down swinging. Yeah. And uh, you know, we'll you know we want those fans. And someone said it on the pod the other week. We want fans to look at Fulham. You know, in the last days of the season when we're relegated and be like. Fulham were relegated, but their fans sang on. Fair play to them; like they sang on all the way through the season, and that's all you know. All we've got left to kind of salvage now is pride, and I, and I mean that in a in a, in a fan base way rather than a, an on pitch variety. Because I think that that ship has also sailed, if we're being perfectly honest. Yeah. Um. But you know, from the stands, you know, we can we can do our bit to, to make sure that people are like, yeah, Fulham. They went down, but they you know they they never lost kind of that spirit and that kind of humour that that makes us special. Well, yeah, and I think that I'm fully resigned to it. And there was something comforting about it at, at, at halftime yesterday, where I just was like, "I've accepted, I've accepted our fate. This is yeah. it's what's going to happen." And actually, there was almost like a like a weight lifted off your shoulders. It was yeah, just a piece like, of it, isn't it? It's a piece. Of, yeah, that's what this is. We we're consigned to your fate, and you know, into the hands of the gods. We can, you know, we cast ourselves once again. But we say that we're resigned to our fate is and there are lots of rumors going around about claudio and i mean there was rumors that tony Carr went into the dressing room last night and sacked him on the spot which i, I, I enjoyed I that as a rumor which i don't would put a fair amount of money that's not true um 
it looks fairly probable though that he might not be here before the Chelsea game. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, and well, it's it's completely the right call, isn't it? It's it's got to happen because this man is not the future of, of Fulham. And who do you put in charge if if uh, do you is it Scott Parker? Yeah, you give it Scotty to the end of the season, don't you? No more than the end of the season, mind. Like you know, we we need to find a manager for next season but give it Scotty for now rebuild the dressing room rebuild the camaraderie that's there and, and try and kind of you know I suppose build up the the, the morale of the players that are going to be here next year and, and make sure that you know when we go down we have a squad that, that group together that like each other and that can be effective once again in the championship and you know if, if you do that and you you know get a couple of good showings between here and the end of the season get the fans you know, back on side as much, you know, and, and get people back in love with the club and all those things. And, you know, the, the lack of kind of creativity, the lack of impetus, the lack of drive on the pitch last night are, are, are so obvious to those in the stands that it's almost like, what's the point even going back in after half time? 2 0. That was it. Like, we, we knew we weren't getting back into that one. Yeah. You know, whereas if, you're, if you've got a side that are also losing, but they're showing a bit of heart, they're trying to create, you know, you've got the players that the fans want to see on the pitch, on the pitch. You know that's you know, that's it. It's, it's one of those things where you you build the kind of relationship back up between the fan and the fans and the club, and you're seeing what an effect. Obviously, completely other end of the table, but this, and the circumstances are different. But the effect that Oli kind of Solskjaer's had at United, not not just on the pitch, but in terms of how happy the fans are again, and just you know, yes, they're winning games and stuff, but it's ultimately about an identity and that they feel affiliated with you know the side that they fell in love with again and i think that that is so crucial to us considering how bad the situation is but is is scott parker or ollie gonna solskjaer like you <laughs> might be you might not I, I, I don't but, know but in terms of to the fan base i mean scott parker is not in the same category for fulham fans as ollie gonna solskjaer was well, to man united fans who else are you gonna bring in i don't know could you do worse than maybe a bread of angland I mean, I, I would love that, but at the same time, he has no managerial experience, and that seems like a very strange move. Well, Scott doesn't have any managerial experience. Well, He's been I mean, a coach. Yes, but he was, you know, a coach at teams where he has actually set out formations. And then look at his time at Spurs under twenty ones. He's learned under the likes of Pochettino, under Ivanovic. You know, he's 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 learned his trade under some good managers, and I think that that in the whole is a good thing. And I don't think he's a long-term solution, but I think just for now to bring back a kind of, you know, identity and, and he knows he must be able to see what the fans are crying out for. Yeah. And I think that all he would do is just steady the ship a little bit, not in terms of results. I don't think we're going to suddenly start winning games, but I think he would steady the ship in, in, in sort of playing Tom Kearney in centre midfield, you know, playing Ryan Sessegnon on the left wing, things like that, which... Well, we're led to believe that he does like a passing style of football and, and a few people were telling me last night that that know about this better than i do that you know we may start to see some of the the old fulham back if if yeah. scotty is in charge because he believes in that philosophy that we had under jakanovic and and just knows also what the players want and and will give them that and and that is what ollie did at Man United and and we saw it against Brighton if you give these players what they want to do it won't work every week because ultimately there are flaws in our team and and that can't be massive defensive issues but that's fine like the thing is that like Scott kind of I think would get a free pass yeah in that if he started trying to play attacking football again and and playing those players you know you could lose 5-0 and people would be like 
Scott Parker. Like, yeah. you know, it's, you get to the end of the season and you're like, it's, it's what it is. Yeah, at least he's trying to play some football. And I'm okay with that. You know, we, we're going down. We may as well, you know, we've accepted that. You know, we may as well try and score a few goals. There's always a danger, though, for me with a caretaker manager, even, at, and you're seeing it at, at Man United now, is that, in, and when you say, oh, but it's, it's just for this season, it's just to the end of the season, and then they, they win a couple of games. Okay, all right, I tell you what, if Scott Parker beats Man City, Liverpool, and Chelsea, he can have the job. Well. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, even if it's not that, and let's say he just he gets he gets three or four wins. It's, it's Cardiff, Newcastle, Everton, um, and even let's say it was Chelsea for for, for argument's sake. And everyone's thinking, careful, you're getting into staying up territory. <laughs> but then, is it a case? Oh, well, then it's difficult not to give Scott the job. It's awkward, and and then the players want Scott, but actually, is Scott the right manager? And, and you kind of saw it with. with which happened to Fulham before. Laurie Sanchez, he kept Fulham up, although I didn't actually think that Laurie Sanchez was the man. We kind of had to give him the job. Similar thing happened with Kit Simons, who did well as a caretaker, was a nice guy, and we had to give Kit the job, and that was clearly not the right decision. I'm just worried that we might go down the same road again Look, with Scott. I, I, I agree with you, and I do think that your point is very sensible and, and sincere, but at the same time, I don't know what else you do. Like, no. We're not going to bring in a manager now until the end of the season. We're not going to be able to pinch someone capable of building a championship winning squad well, well no at this there, point. There's, there's lots of people talking about Lee Johnson from, from Bristol City and and I think it's a, it's a worthy shout and he's done well, and why would he come now but exactly that's your point he's not going to come now when he literally has a chance to be a Premier League manager <laughs> next season with a squad that he's built over years so as you say I think there are very very few managers out there who would take it right now yeah, I mean, it makes it would make absolutely no sense for him to leave Bristol City at this point when they're in a playoff hunt you know, yeah. to, to come to a side that are very much confirmed to be relegated from the Premier League. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you, you know, while your point is valid, I just don't think that there's really any that many options. Yeah. You know, everyone in, you know, while Scott Parker's tenure at Fulham hasn't been particularly successful in terms of every time he's been here, we've been rubbish. You know, th- everyone in football respects Scott Parker. He's a man who has very, very few naysayers people like him pretty much fundamentally across the board you know and and i think that yes he's got loads to learn of course he does you know he's never managed at this level before but you know neither frank lampard and they're doing okay you know they're you know it's one of those things where you know someone who has obvious respect of the james dressing room you know the the kind of people skills he's always come across as a a very fundamentally nice character scott and and people respect him and and i do think that if he was you know, let's see. Let's let's give him a couple of games, see how he gets on, and you know, tick it along, and and then we'll make a decision in the summer. But you know, if he is, as we're hearing from people, that kind of for football philosophy, you know, understands the club and the way they want to play football. You know, maybe maybe there is a shout that somewhere along the line, you know, you have to give these people a, a chance to manage in order to give them a first shot. And and this is the moment to potentially do that you don't of course this is there's no pressure on it but if he you know if he gets spanked all over the shop to the end of the season no one's gonna be like oh scott parker's full but he can go back to being a coach and be like that wasn't great maybe we'll uh, need to learn a bit more i'd say yeah um and and there'll be no kind of stigma or shame attached to that did you find it interesting last night at the end of the game how pretty much all the players to a man came over 
to the fans and, and really apologetic. You know, Mitro had his hands up. Um, Kearney, K-Mac, Rico all gave shirts to, to, to the fans and really kind of came over in, in an apologetic way. Ranieri's straight down the tunnel. They did almost seem to be... I just thought it was significant. The like, walk of a hanged man, wasn't it? Yeah. It did feel a bit like a, a walk to the gallows. Yeah, I, I, I did notice it and I did think that it was good that everyone came over to, to the fans. I thought it was impressive. I, I liked that all the players gave shirts. Shouts out to little Freddie getting Tom Kearney's shirt. Yeah, he's, seeing, been, he's been wanting that for months. Seeing Freddie was pretty much the highlight of my night, I think. Yeah, so, amazing. So shouts out to that. Shouts out to Freddie. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really nice. And... It, you know, I think it shows that there might be some sort of spirit in this dressing room that we're not seeing the full extent of because of the management, and that's you know one of those things where you just have to be like, right, fine, that's the kind of thing you want to see. As I'm talking about about this, you know, you go out and you lose five nil, doesn't really matter. You lose five nil to Liverpool or Spurs City as long as you've been on the pitch and you've had a go and you, you you know you've given it given it a bit of all. No one wants to see us lose three nil to City by. Just shutting up shop yeah like you know, I'd rather lose 5-0 to City and, and, and have a go yeah precisely uh, it has to be the way now and, and, and often you see from teams that are pretty much consigned to relegation they do open up because there suddenly is no fear and that's all I want from Fulham for the rest of the season let's let's just go back to trying to do what we used to do and, and okay if we spectacularly fail then we spectacularly fail it's, it's, it's only what we've seen all season but we might as well we might as well go down swinging. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. That's it. That's all it is. You need just a little bit of, a little bit of attacking impetus, a little bit of heart, a little bit of fight, uh, and the players to do the right things, like coming over to the fans last night, which was, you know, a very simple task to walk over to the fans. Do you think they think they're down? I think they struggle to look at it any other way. Do you think there's you know, so anyone trying to say, look, we can have some belief here, or do you think they are literally saying, look? makes football weirder things have happened you know they'll be saying you know they'll be saying yes it's very very difficult for us to stay up now but you know we keep trying to win every game in front of us I don't think they're going out there to lose no that obviously means that there are X amount of points available for grabs obviously you know we look at games like City Liverpool Chelsea as no brainers we will lose that game but players walk out onto the pitch they don't go oh right we're up against it today. Yeah. Like, you know, they walk out and they go, right, we're going to have to try and win a game of football and it doesn't matter who, who they're playing against. And I suppose until it's mathematically impossible, they'll be like, there's always a shot. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we will do a little bit of a preview towards the Chelsea game on Sunday. She said, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only loved him Remember met Target. I'm sorry. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here, still on the train with Jack Collins. Hello. You're starting to flag a little bit, aren't you? Yeah, my energy levels are really starting to drop now. It was, uh, it, was Jack's, it was Jack's birthday. How old are you, Jack? 25. Jack's 25th birthday yesterday. So as a result, we decided to stay in Southampton the night we ended up in a place called the orange bar yeah the orange rooms the orange rooms in southampton we met a few fulham fans in there as well i think quite a few other people had the same, had the idea. same idea so uh, it was it a was, brazilian night we had a good time yeah it, it, was, it was a good evening all round. so yeah we're still on the train back and uh, a few minutes later uh claudio ranieri is still 
the manager of Fulham FC. So we will uh, we will wait and see. But as as we speak, Claudio is still in charge. But that, as I say, could change by the time we finish this podcast. Um, so we don't know who's going to be in charge for the game. But it's the SW6 derby on is. Sunday and. Look, it's one of the things when we got promoted back to the Premier League that I was looking forward to having back is the game against Chelsea. And weirdly, I quite enjoyed the game against Chelsea back in December. It was Claudio's first game in charge or no second game in charge, but first away game uh, in charge. And, and Fulham fans generated a brilliant atmosphere and it's nice to play our neighbours again. And I think no one is in uh, any doubts that it's going to be a really, really difficult game on Sunday but Chelsea haven't been all that great of late Jack although they did the, crisis, the crisis has been slightly averted after playing very very well in the Carabao Cup final against Man City and uh, obviously there was the Kepper incident which we might come on to but then last night they beat um, rivals Tottenham 2-0 uh, Stamford Bridge I know Pedro got one do we know who got the other? No think it might be William. No, William anyway doesn't really matter but Chelsea have kind of recovered from their mini crisis yeah yeah they're also just quite good at football again which is annoying um, because we thought we might catch them at a really bad time for them that doesn't appear I was actually a trippier own goal the second one. Oh, okay passed into his own net which <laughs> is good value for everyone um, look Sarri's a wonderful manager he's a really 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 good football mind who has been given short shrift by the Chelsea fans because they just want heart passion and lumpy it long um, <laughs> they just yeah. want wins that's just all they, they they don't care how bring they, just, back. they just want Chelsea wins the JT end of the day would never <laughs> <laughs> like sharp but he, he's not being given the time is he no, he's a project manager. He needs time. Like he needs time to build a philosophy for players, to the right kind of players to to buy into that philosophy. And now he's going to be hit with a transfer ban. I, I can't see Mauricio Sarri staying at Chelsea for too much longer. Um, I think, especially if that transfer ban comes into effect, he's just not going to bring in the players that he needs to bring in to implement a new system and, and the kind of thing that Sarri's mo needs. Um, but that said. They are going to be good for the rest of this season. I think is probably the the overarching argument that I think will uh, will come to, um, and I I can imagine that we might be passed to death on Sunday. Well, one of the problems that uh, Chelsea fans have laid at Sarri's door is his bring back lump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, isn't it? It is his stubbornness, and one of those is in the field where he continues to use Jorginho as kind of the the engine in midfield and use Kante as, as an attacking outlet and many teams have found joy this season by trying to target Jorginho and stop him playing his game and, and have got a lot of success there is, is that where Fulham should be looking to try and gain some sort of outlet on Sunday? Right, I want to just get this right about the kind of what's going on at Chelsea and the Sarri system because this weird agenda about Kante and Jorginho is driving me nuts they're not being played out of position. It's just like absolute chaos to believe that. Kante is not the player that sits at the bottom of midfield and dictates play with passes. That's what the third player in the in the Sarri midfield system does. He sits at the base of the midfield and he dictates play with short, quick passes so that's sideways. Jorginho. That's what Jorginho does. Kante is a box-to-box midfielder. He has never been a DM. He's never, ever been a solo DM in any system he's ever played in. At Leicester... Danny Drinkwater sat while Kante bombed up and down. You know, when he was successful at Chelsea, he had Nemanja Matic sitting next to him and he bombed up and down. 
if you leave him on his own as a DM in a Sari system, he's and he's getting the ball a hundred times a game. You don't want N'Golo Kante getting the ball a hundred times a game because that's not what he's good at. What he's good at is bombing around, breaking up attacks, putting out fires, and and basically being a nuisance. And I think that this kind of weird thing that he has to play at the base of midfield to do that is is nonsense. Like, but he has been given more of an attacking outlet. Yeah, of course, season. but that's just because the third midfielder in a Sari system moves up and down more, and 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 basically they're exposed, they're supposed to exploit gaps that Jorginho creates by that kind of quick passing method. And yes, he's had more of an attacking impetus, but basically that's just because he's been given the freedom to kind of go wherever he wants, and he's not on him to create but he just ends up in more attacking positions because he's able in a system like that where possession is kept to actually be further up the field because Chelsea don't need him as much fighting fires because they keep the ball so well and it just it, this weird agenda being pushed on TV that Kante is being played out of position absolutely baffles me because the one thing you absolutely don't want with Kante is him receiving the ball a hundred times a game it's passing is probably the weakest part of N'Golo Kante's game and I'm not saying he's not a good passer of the ball but it's the part of his game that he's least kind of effective at and to make sure that he is not doing that you can't have him at the base of that midfield because that's what the role of that player is no. yes obviously you have to target Jorginho to try and shut down the Chelsea system that's how it works and to be fair to Jorginho who struggled this season but you know at Napoli next to him he had Allen and Marek Hamzic two players who look to create space who look to look to offer every single time now he has Ross Barkley like <laughs> you know do you know what I mean it's not it's not like he's sat there going oh, I'll have an absolute and, and you know the wing backs are supposed to absolutely fly forward in Serismo Cesar Azpilicueta doesn't fly forward yeah. he, he just doesn't he's just not he's good at certain things he's a good player wonderful little footballer but not at being a bombing on fullback and so the reason that people are able to have success by targeting Jorginho is not necessarily because of any flaw in Jorginho's game it's because he's not been given the options by the players around him and weirdly we've seen that when Ruben Loftus-Cheek comes in there and has done in a couple of games now come on for Barkley or Kovacic he actually offers really well because he likes getting the ball in those spaces and turning and looking to go and actually once that kind of outlet is available to Jorginho you see how much his game improves and he's been very very good in the last two games very very good at you know distributing he's been more physical in possession and he looks like he's kind of up for the fight again which is kind of you know, I suppose a terrible thing for Fulham because Jorginho is a really, really, really good footballer. And, and how worried are you on Sunday of seeing uh, Iguain against Tim Ream? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm worried about seeing Charlie Austin against Tim Ream. So, uh, <laughs> so at the moment, you know, I love Tim Ream as much as the next man, but I am petrified with him going up against anyone right now in the Premier League. Uh, and Gonzalo Higuain is a wonderful goal scorer and has scored goals wherever he's gone in his yeah. career. You know, behind Messi and Ronaldo, no one scored more goals across Europe in the last five years than Gonzalo Higuain. And, you know, now he's coming up against our ramshackle defence. Yeah. yeah, of course you'd worry. Of course you worry. If Fulham do make a change and Scott Parker is in charge on Sunday, and I realise doing this podcast where we're kind of in between and don't know makes things much, much more difficult for us. But let's assume that Fulham have made the change. Do you think that uh, a fearless Fulham could get some joy out of this game? Or do you think ultimately it doesn't matter who's in charge? It's such a hard test. We have so many flaws at, at the back that it's it's going to be a cricket score no matter what. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a cricket score. Like Chelsea, you know, for all their wonderful footballers, haven't actually 
smash teams to bits for quite some time. You know, they, they often score a couple, but they're actually, you know, a lot of the time they, they just go 2 0 up and then keep the ball. Yeah. Which is kind of what Sarri likes to do because he's like, we don't need to score five. I just need to basically keep the ball and then they can't score. So I don't think it's going to be necessarily a cricket score. I think it's going to be very difficult for them to get anything out of the game. Obviously, a fearless Fulham who will have a go might be able to come up, spring out of the blocks and, and, and really start to you know attack this Chelsea team. I think they might be a little bit surprised if there is a change made as to you know the Fulham they study under Ranieri would be a very different caged animal to a, a, an unleashed one under you know whoever comes in, but presumably Scott Parker. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think there's a chance to be to be nippy and, and come out roaring and and really do take them by surprise a little bit. But I do think it's going to be even with that difficult for them to get anything out of the game. Well, we'll go again, and the comfort that Fulham are relegated, but we go into a, an SW6 derby against against Chelsea, and hopefully it's a good atmosphere at the cottage. And well, it'll be very very interesting to see who exactly is in the dugout on Sunday. Uh, just a quick one from me before we end. Uh, today's podcast just want to thank you for all your lovely comments since we started the uh, stop the greed campaign which can we say has gone beyond our control oh yeah like fully has gone beyond our control and people tweeting the club with the hashtag i mean i'm all for it i just it's it's been more impressive than i ever thought that it that it could be and i think a lot of fans have really um bought into it and and, and do feel um left out by the club and there's lots of tweets going around this week about 73 pound tickets for kids in the johnny haynes stand that are restricted view there's lots of things wrong at the moment with the uh, ticketing policy at fulham so and thank you for your generosity as well uh, towards the banner uh, lots of people have been asking me as to uh, when the banner is going to be shown and we're just currently trying to work out as a few uh, little stumbling blocks as to as to when we can get the banner out there at the moment we're thinking it's likely it will be the Man City game um, we would love it to be Liverpool but uh, there'll be reasons that will become more clear in the next few weeks as to why the Liverpool game don't really work uh, for us unfurling the banner so yeah we'll give you more details as we get them but yeah thank you so much for everyone that's got involved with it it's um, it's really struck a chord with many Fulham fans and, and we're just happy that we've able, been able to use our platform in order to in order to drive this and um, but really, it's you guys out there tweeting the club and 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 sponsoring the GoFundMe page as well that have really um, done your bit, and it's what's made it so impressive. So uh, a big thank you from me, um, Jack. Yes. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast today. No, thank you, Sammy. Um, you had a great chance for Scotty Parker. That uh, Scotty's at the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Expect Scotty's at the wheel soon. I'm still working on the end lines, but we'll. Uh, I'll, I'll tweet it soon. I'll tweet you soon. It's good. It uh, is good. Scott, uh, is I think it? that the, the best bit I've got thus far is uh, we've got Ken, EK Mac, and the Twins, and a total of no away wins. So that is class. That is class. Class from a Fulham fan. Hope you guys stay up. I don't, I don't, bets on. I don't like to give you credit wherever I can, uh, wherever it can be avoided, but uh, you've actually outdone yourself there, Jack. Thanks, so, mate. I appreciate uh, it. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope the sound quality is okay on, Fingers on, crossed. on this train. It hasn't been uh, too weird. Obviously, Jack and I did the infamous whispering podcast one. So it's not been that. It's been better than the, it's not. This one's not AMSR or whatever it's yeah. called. <laughs> so um, thank you very, very much for listening today. Uh, appreciate it. It's a tough time to be a Fulham fan. We'll see what news... Uh, comes out in the next few days hours hopefully um i will be back on the podcast on monday uh looking back at the chelsea game and uh, probably reacting more to any news that breaks over this weekend and also there will be a full-time live from the old supper punch 
straight after the Chelsea game and also do check out the YouTube channel for Jack Kelly's fan cams uh, a Southampton one should be up pretty shortly always great crack and uh, there'll also be one after Chelsea as well so Jack thank you very much thank you Sammy thank you for listening and we'll see you later come on you guys. Right.